0: Thank you, Dr. Gorvett, and good morning. What an opportunity to be able to preach in this historic chapel and to share with you a little of what God has been speaking to me about. Dr. Gorvett and Sherry have been friends of ours across the years, and she serves as the comptroller of our district, and he is my unofficial church planting consultant. So they are helping on the other side of the border. And... uh, Mr. Rhino here, with his normal gift of encouragement, shared with me this morning, I was talking to the students about the message you preached the last time you were here, and none of them remembered it, so um, thank you, Scott, for, I gave you my very best the last time, so um, I'm not sure what this one's going to be like, but thank you. I've been doing a little uh, soul-searching and talking to God about this matter of who is my neighbor. And so I'd just like to share with you a little bit of what God's been talking to me about. You've heard the passage read before you, and it's amazing to me that Jesus, as he told this story, first of all, told about spiritual people, pastors, district superintendents, priests, Levites, individuals that were supposedly in the business to help people. But he says, as they went down the road, here was a man lying in the ditch, he's bleeding he's broken he's robbed he's near death and the spiritual people looked into the ditch and they peered and hurried by on the other side they must have been asking this question if I stop and get involved with this man what will happen to me and that's the first question I hope that you all will take away from this chapel There's many of us that are asking that question in our churches today. As a district superintendent, one of my responsibilities is to help churches refocus their attention. But so many of the churches that you will be ministering to when you leave this place have built walls around it and become inward focused, and they're not concerned about their communities, and they're not concerned about the person who's in the ditch. They're more concerned about themselves and what makes them comfortable. Dr. Wilson and I are in and out of these churches over and over and over again, and we find that it's all about me, and it's all about mine, and it's all about us, and it's all about my seat, and it's all about my parking place, and it's all about what's going to make me comfortable, my agenda. H.C., I read about one church that had windows on this side that you could push up and down this way. On the other side, there were windows that you could crank in and out. And you could tell who voted for which type windows by which side of the sanctuary they sat on. And you students are going to discover quickly in your ministry that refocusing your churches, revitalizing your churches, Turning them around and getting them from asking that question is going to be one of your chief jobs. If I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? There was another person that came by, he's known as the Samaritan. Not very high on the social order of that day. But he came by and he saw the same man, same ditch, same wounds, same scenario. But the scripture says he responded differently, and he asked a second question that was different. His question was, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? And it's a totally different question. He stopped, picked him up, put him on his beast of burden. Carried him to an end, left money for him to be cared for, made an impact on his life. And I'm glad to report to you this morning that there are people that are beginning to ask that question in our churches. If we don't get involved in this community, if we don't get involved in the life of these people that desperately need Christ, what will happen to them? Dr. Lyon and a number of us that are in this room today took a trip to Zambia some years ago. A missionary there by the name of Jeff Johnson said to me, Paul, one day I was standing at this picture window looking out at this compound, and I saw three Africans coming across the way, a grandmotherly figure, a mother who looked to be about 24, and a small child, about four years of age. It was obvious that the child had messed his clothes up, had gone to the bathroom in his clothes, and he was, stuff was dripping out of his trousers. The 24-year-old mother was upset, and she was pushing him, kicking him along. and The grandmother stopped at a spigot that was there in the compound, turned it on, stripped the clothes from this little boy, took her own hands as she put him under the stream of water, began to take the crud and the scum and all of the impurities from his body, wrapped him in her own cloak and picked him up and held him close. And when he told me that story... Something reverberated down in my heart, for I realize, HC, when we reach down into the ditch and we begin to help that individual, it's going to take time and it's going to take talent and it's going to take resources and it's going to take everything we would possibly have. And when they come to our churches and they come to your offices to come for help, they're going to bring their problems they're going to bring their crud they're going to bring their impurities their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups they're going to bring it with you and we can either choose that our churches will be a museum for saints or we can choose that it will be a hospital for sinners And I hope that here we are voting that we will have hospitals that reach out to the down and out, reach out to the up and out. Everybody may come and find that Jesus Christ has the answer and he's the one that can change us and make us something special. Two questions. Let's see how smart you really are. Uh, Dr. Lennox is watching you and he doesn't really realize what he's got on his hands. Are you ready? See, they don't even know how to answer a question, Dr. Lennox, you really. Are you ready? Question number one. If I stop and help this man, what will happen to? (laughs) Can you do better than that? If I stop and help this man, what will happen to? Question number two. If I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Years ago, I took a year and a half to help my brother with a church in Florida. They allowed me to preach, and I enjoyed that. I enjoyed it immensely. The Sunday morning in July, year 2007, I preached my woolly booger sermon that most of you have heard and forgotten already. I gave it the very best shot, and at the end, I said, some of you here today may need Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're not sure what's going on in your life. I love to talk to people about those kind of things, and if you want to beat me down here somewhere near the front after church, we can set up an appointment for you to come by. A little gal came down the aisle after church, about 23, 24 years of age. She said, my name's Naisha. This is my very first Sunday here at the church, too. I'd like one of those appointments you were talking about. And on Monday evening, we got together. She told me the following story. She said, I was born in Puerto Rico. My mother was not married to my father. In fact, my father was shot and killed before I was ever born. I was molested by a stepfather, and my life was miserable. When I grew up to be... My late teens, I got started on drugs, and I got started on alcohol. I thought that I had the world by the tail. Listen to what she said. I didn't go to college like I planned. Instead, I met a boy and started experimenting with drugs and alcohol. That soon changed. Drugs were easier to get than the liquor, so I did them. My motto was, don't knock it till you try it. Drugs and alcohol made me forget the past, made me forget who I was. I could be anybody I wanted to be. I was strong, confident, beautiful, outgoing, talkative, 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I thought I was a force to be reckoned with, and I was. I was fully living for the devil. I'm sure he took great pride in me, and I know because he tried to break me down since I've been reborn. Drugs and alcohol did for me what nothing else could. And that was to make me comfortable into my own skin. But that wasn't for long. Naisha went ahead and told the story of how, under the influence of alcohol, she had a wreck. The lady in the wreck was paralyzed from her neck down. She was sentenced to prison. And she had washed up in Winter Haven, Florida, on the shores of our church, Christ Community. She was out for a 12-step program and desperately needed help. (laughs) And that Monday evening, I had the opportunity of praying with Naisha. She found Christ as her personal Savior. Her life was totally changed. Beautiful gal. Lovely gal. Didn't know a thing about spirituality. I just want to tell you folks that can, can I say this in this chapel? That I have more fun hanging out with sinners than I do most of the boards I meet with. They're more fun, they're more authentic, and naive to do it that way. We came to a new Christians class, and they didn't know what a sin was. They, didn't, they, 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 they just had broken them all, so we went through a list of what sins were. I got the fornication. They said, What's that? Well, I explained it to them. Do I need to explain it to you? Thank you. All right. I explained what it was. And the next week, she came tripping into New Christians class, and this is what she said Man, God wants us to quit smoking, and we're having a hard time with smoking. We ain't fornicating no more. Yeah. You see, when God begins to get a hold of a heart, amazing things take place. And I have made up my mind you can do what you choose. But when I see the person in the ditch, I want to be the one that stops, rolls up my sleeve, reaches down, lets the blood drip off, reaches down and wraps up the wounds. I want to be a part of helping people find Jesus Christ as their personal savior. If I could get into each of your heads today and do whatever it takes i just want you to listen to me there is nothing on the planet that is more satisfying than to know that you had the opportunity to introduce an individual to jesus christ as their personal savior whatever you do while you're here learn to introduce people to jesus christ i was taught soul winning by a person in a bible college similar to this who had not been off of that campus in 30 years nor had she witnessed to anybody. And that's how I was taught. You heard my story of how God had to get a hold of my heart or I was going to drop out of the ministry. I had to know that I could make a difference in people's lives. If I stop and get involved, what will happen to me? If I don't stop and get involved, What will happen to him? I've been married for 43 years now. It's amazing, isn't it, how a man that looks 30 could be married for 43 years? I understand all of that. She's a great gal and doesn't take a whole lot to make her happy. Dinner and a movie, that'll do it every time. We've seen some movies that have just completely blown us away. I always let her pick the movies She loves the ones that make the adrenaline pump through your system. I prefer chick flicks myself. (laughs) Just calm and easy. I'll never forget how we felt when we came out of the Schindler's List to realize that the Holocaust really happened. We were quiet for hours. The passion of the Christ affected us the very same way. In fact, we saw that movie with 300 people in a theater, and you could hear a pin drop all the way to the parking lot. It was so quiet. Another blockbuster that I'll never get away from was Titanic. I studied it some more after I'd seen the film and discovered that on that ship, over 2,200 people were sailing in the North Atlantic. 20 lifeboats, had they been totally full, 1,178 people could have been rescued. But they pulled away from that ship, that dark, fateful night. They pulled away from that ship half full, not completely filled up with people that were needing to be rescued. I brought a little clip along I'd like for you to, to watch with me today. And I'd like you to see if you can pinpoint some people in this clip that were asking these questions we've talked about today. See if you can help me discover at least two. One asking each of these questions. Put your backs into it. Pull. 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 Come on. Pull. Pull. Up there. Come back! Come back to the ship! Up six. come back to the ship. Stop! We have to go back! No. The suction will pull us down if we don't keep going. We've lots more room. I say we go back. No! It's our lives now, not theirs. And I'm in charge of this boat, madam. Now row! This is the captain. This is the captain. Come back to the ship. The fools. And there was the crew member in charge of the boat who was saying we're going to get away from that ship as fast as we can it's our lives and our lives alone that are important and the lady that was sitting in the back we've plenty of room let's go back now students listen to me you are going to leave here and some of you are going to be captains of lifeboats many of them half full Churches that need to be turned around, churches that need to be revitalized, churches that need to have the Spirit of God placed back in them, and I'll tell you something that I've learned, is the thing that makes the biggest difference in turning these churches around and filling up these lifeboats that are floundering, when you begin to lead people to Jesus Christ personally and bring them in, there's nothing that revolutionizes the church quicker than new converts finding Jesus Christ as their personal Savior nothing. You can go in and start a music program. You can start a children's program. You can start a youth program. You can preach with power and anointing. You can exegete all the verbs that you want to, but unless people are finding Christ as their personal savior, we're not doing what God's placed us here to do. All kinds of people were dying around those people. All kinds of people were in the icy water that needed to be picked up, that needed to be rescued. But they were only concerned, the man was only concerned about himself. After I'd preached this message, a friend of mine sent me a clipping from the the web. On that boat was a man by the name of John Harper, a minister, a minister of the gospel. His wife had died. He and his six-year-old daughter were traveling to the United States. When the boat began to go down, John Harper took his daughter, put her in one of those lifeboats, and said, Sweetheart Daddy, we'll see you soon. Donned one of the life vests for himself, and soon as the boat began to break up, he was thrown into the icy waters of the North Atlantic. But according to the story, he began to swim from piece of debris to piece of debris where people were clinging and begin to ask this question. If you die, and we may die here in a few minutes, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Have you found Jesus yet? And person after person prayed the sinner's prayer while clinging to debris. He found one man who swore at him and told him that, no, he didn't know Christ, didn't intend to. He was an atheist. John Harper moved on to others, but soon went back and said, Sir, are you, won't you change your mind? And the man said, No, I won't. And so John Harper took his life vest off and gave it to the man clinging to the debris and said, Well, dude, you're going to need this worse than I do. Soon John Harper went to his icy grave, but the atheist no longer an atheist, is the one who told the story. And if you go to the Titanic Memorial that's in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, they'll give you a ticket when you pay your money to get in, and on that ticket will be the name of one of the passengers that was on the boat that night. When you go, why don't you ask for John Harper and see what they say? Two questions. If I stop and get involved with this man, what will happen to me? If I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Now, you guys got about 50 years of ministry ahead of you. Isn't that exciting? 50 years of ministry. And I can tell you from the other side that one of the most exciting things that will ever happen in your life when you reach the stage that I'm at, some of the others in this room, is when you get phone calls, when you get letters, and people are sharing that you are one of the ones that influenced them into a life relationship with Jesus Christ. And it goes on and on and on. I'm not too big a Facebook person. I don't want to know what my children are doing. (laughs) Just (laughs) (laughs) if you're a parent, you understand that. (laughs) Enough's enough. But I got a Facebook message a few years ago on my birthday from a big weightlifter just sort of waddled down the aisle at Warsaw and weighed it. Waited, found Jesus under my ministry. Just a weightlifting hippie. And this is what that message was. Preach. Gonna be a lot of people in heaven because of you. And I'm one of them. That's a trophy. That's why I live. And I just want to tell you, it's one of the greatest feelings that you'll ever, ever have. Heaven. I want to see Jesus. I want to be through with pain. I want to be through with paying taxes, Sherry, dead gummit. I just want to be through with that stuff. But most of heaven's going to be hanging out with people I love. And some of them are people I helped meet Jesus. Board members like me, you know, you, you realize we give between a week and a week and a half of our lives every year to come up here and hang out with you guys? Did you know that? Why do we do it? Because we believe that you're the answer to what's going on in this world. We're in a mess. Some of you are going to go out and plant churches. Damien and I stood at the top of a 50-story building in Boston two days ago. And looked out at this tremendous, world-class city. 250,000 college students in that city. Over 60 colleges and universities. And we don't have a Western church anywhere in the vicinity. I think sometime God's going to say to you, let's go. Let's get six or eight of us go. Six of you get a job and the other one be a preacher. Just think about that. (laughs) The reason we come up here and hang out with you is we believe in you. We believe that you can do better things than have ever been done. The best churches have not been built yet. The best ministries have not been thought of. And you have the tools that you can take God's message literally around the world. I want to do something a little different. I haven't asked permission, and that's okay, because all they can do is not let me preach again. Isn't that right? That's the main thing. So I'm cool. I'm going to ask the board members to come up here and just join me. Let's stretch across the front. And if you're here, let's go, board members, right now. Hurry, hurry. Elizabeth Rhino will be on my case here. Good night. Good uh, night. If you're here today and you just want to say, Paul, I would really like to be involved in people's lives. I want to ask the right questions. I want to. If I don't get involved in his or her life, what will happen to them? I'm going to pray just a short prayer. While I'm praying, get out of your seat. Find one of these board members and just let them pray for you. Lay their hands on you. We come and make decisions, but you are the reason we're here. I want you to know that. You're the reason. You're special. You're God called. God's going to use you in a powerful way. So while I pray, this may be for one of you. It may be for 10 of you. It may be for 100 of you. I don't know. Just find the board member of your choice. These are successful business people. These are district superintendents. These are pastors. These are church planners. These are successful people in their walk of life or they wouldn't be here. And they greatly care about you. Can you just say an amen to that? They care about you. Let's pray. You come if you choose. God, I thank you for this student body. I thank you for what's happened here over the last few years. I thank you for the spirit of soul winning. The fact that we have a sense of urgency about what we're doing. And I ask, oh God, now as these board members lay hands upon students that greatly want to impact society... I ask, O Lord, that there will be an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon these students, and they'll never be the same, but particularly that they'll never, ever forget the questions we talked about today. May we be good Samaritans, and may we touch our neighbors. In your name we pray. Amen.